Welcome to the Movie Journey Podcast, where we break down every film from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and Sam's inner thoughts is basically me when I disagree with Dean. You miserable little maggot! You're a lying rat! And I'm Dean Jeffrey, the Smeagol to your Deagle, Hendo. <laughs> basically copying what I said last time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what you said. What did you say? I said, I'm the Smeagol to your Golem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I must admit, I had uh, forgotten a little intro, so I quickly went to my notes, and my first line was Smeagol and Deagle, so there you go. <laughs> and today we'll be breaking down the final chapter of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Return of the King. First part for us, of course, because we're going two-parter. Yes, it is. We've gone a long way to get to this point, but we are here. Return of the King. Four weeks down, two to go, and then it's all over. What a journey we've gone through so far, mate. How you been, Epic. anyway? Yeah, good. How about you, mate? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Just kicking along, watching some lovely, lovely Lord of the Rings films. Yeah, I must admit, I've been watching fuck all lately. So this has been this has been almost exclusively what I've been watching. Yeah, haven't you watched them like three times each? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Well, you're really you're really getting them out there, aren't you? Because I reckon after we're done with this, you won't watch them for another couple of years, maybe another ten years. I mean, it'll it'll definitely be many years before I revisit Lord of the Rings, but we're going pretty in depth here, so I'm okay with that. What else are we doing today, Hendo? Well, after our part one breakdown of Return of the King, we're going to ask our question of the week, which is, what is your favourite movie trilogy? Which is our top five as usual. We've got a competition this week for our Facebook listener community and our Patreons. We're going to take a look at the results of the best film of the 2010s tournament, the grand final, Parasite against Inception. And I must say... Looking at this poll going on right now, it's 50-50 at this very moment. We will have, we'll know the result by the time we get to it later on, but it's a dead heat. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with it in the next hour. This is ridiculous, isn't it? I didn't expect it to be so close. Yeah, and like quite a large number of votes as well. It's not like there's fuck all votes. Plenty of votes. Dead heat. Ridiculous. All right, so plenty to get into, mate. Let's do it. Give me the update. Right, Hendo, what's going on on the IMDb Top 250 list? Let's see, looking in the Top 50 here, The Departed has moved one more spot over Intouchables to 43. Biggest mover here upwards is Barry Lyndon and Catch Me If You Can. They've both gone up three spots to 203, 194 respectfully. Negatives here, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington has dropped down four spots to 197. Stand By Me, a breakdown we've done so far, has gone down from 204 to 206. And recent films, 1917 has gone down two more spots to number 80. Those are your biggest movers there. So that'll be the update for this week. Fantastic. All right, before we get into Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, just a quick heads up, we will be spoiling this from the get-go. So if you haven't seen it, you've been warned. And with that being said, let's get into Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. The enemy will never let Aragorn come to the throne of Gondor. It is time. Give him the sword of the king. Become who you were born to be. The precious baby eyes. He means to murder us! Never! I'm not sending him away. Come to me. The board is set. The pieces are moving. We come to it at last. So 
Hello to Lord of the Rings. The Return of the King is a 2003 epic fantasy adventure film directed by Peter Jackson based on the third volume of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. The film features an ensemble cast including, here we go, last time, Elijah Wood, Ian McKellen, Liv Tyler, Viggo Mortensen, Sean Astin, Kate Blanchett, John Rhys-Davies, Bernard Hill, Billy Boyd, Dominic Monaghan, Orlando Bloom, Hugo Weaving, Miranda Otto, David Wenham, Carl Urban, John Noble, Andy Serkis, Ian Holm, and Sean Bean. Sean Bean is in all three. Who would have thought? I didn't. I thought he was in the first one and he was done. Nope. He's an important character. And his ghost shall live on, Hendo. Continuing the plot of the two towers, Frodo, Sam and Gollum are making their final way toward Mount Doom in Mordor in order to destroy the One Ring, unaware of Gollum's true intentions, while Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas and Gimli and the rest of them are joining forces together against Sauron and his legions in Minas Tirith. So, as this, as usual with the other two films, music by Howard Shaw and cinematography by Andrew Lesney. They haven't changed, obviously, because this entire film series was filmed back to back to back. Now we look at visual effects in this film, Dean. Lots of visual effects. The average film has about 200 visual effects shots. This has 1,488 visual effects shots. Compare that to the first two, Fellowship of the Ring had 540 and Two Towers had 799. That is insane. That is actually crazy. Yeah, lots of work on this film. And it shows. Like, it looks amazing, doesn't it? Honestly, it looks spectacular. It holds up something fierce 17 years later. Like, whereas what I said in The Fellowship of the Ring, where there was a bunch of shots that you that, that looked a little outdated now, there's none of that in this film. It all looks great, which is weird because it's only a couple of years difference from, you know, finessing the, with Weta finessing their, you know, visual effects here. They really, they really pulled it off. They must have seen the first one like, okay, we can take, we can change this here. We can do a touch up here. They've done very well. I feel like they would have been at the absolute forefront of visual effects technology anyway. So they would be getting- They're just improving on their own work. Yeah, exactly. They're getting better and better at what they do anyway. So it does make sense that the longer it goes, you know, the better it does look. Plus, I guess at that point as well, because of the success of one, then the success of two, they probably had more money, I guess, to spend anyway. Of course, yeah. They're using their profits from the first couple to continue to finance this film. So, obviously, this is a, a massive, massive filming event for everyone involved here. So, when the whole film wrapped up, there was, you know, a lot of emotion, a lot of, you know, a lot of goodbyes and, and that along the way. Each of the cast members was given a gift on their last day of shooting, and it was usually a prop that was significant to their role. So, Miranda Otto received one of Eowyn's dresses and her sword. Liv Tyler received Arwen's dying dress. And Orlando Bloom got one of Legolas's bows. Not the not the hairpiece, unfortunately. No arrows? No. All those arrows were fake. <laughs> All of them. I bet there was some They didn't want him shooting ones. anyone and killing them. And since John Reese davies suffered constant rashes from wearing the old Gimli makeup, the makeup department gave him the opportunity to throw that Gimli mask into the fire on his last day of pickup photography, and he took that opportunity and threw that right in that fire. Was it the fires of Mount Doom, Hendo? Yeah, that's a cut scene, even out of the extended version. Tore his beard off and threw it in. <laughs> Who are we kidding? He couldn't climb that mountain. <laughs> I don't think Sam could carry him either. (laughs) So the final reel of this movie was completed five days before the world premiere in Wellington, New Zealand. It was actually still wet from developing because there was no time to dry it. The premiere was the first time Peter Jackson saw the whole completed movie. That's crazy. Yeah. That's not even, that's not, that's not even cool. That's just, that's dumb. Honestly, I'm sure that's just like a, you know, a scanning shot or some tiny little piece that just they threw in at the end. You would hope wouldn't so. Have been, it wouldn't have been a dramatic scene. 
So let's look at some facts and figures about the trilogy overall. Over 6 million feet of film was shot during this entire production. There was 48,000 swords, axes, shields, and makeup prosthetics. 20,600 background actors were cast. 19,000 costumes were made from the wardrobe department. 10,000 crowd participants at a New Zealand cricket game who all they did was they were there to make orc army grunts. 2,400 behind-the-scenes crew members at the height of production. 1,600 pairs of prosthetic hobbit feet were created. 250 horses were used in one single scene. 180 computer visual effects artists were employed. 114 total speaking roles. 100 real locations in New Zealand used for the backdrops. 50 tailors, cobblers, designers, and others in the wardrobe department. 30 actors and actresses trained to speak fictional dialects and languages. Seven total years of development for all three films. Wow. That's impressive and ridiculous. Yeah, they can be both things. But like I mentioned just before, this premiered in Wellington, New Zealand on the 1st of December in 2003. Nearly 100,000 people lined the streets of Wellington for the world premiere. That's about a quarter of the city's population. What does that mean? How does 100, How do 100,000 people watch it? They don't. They try to get in. I mean, surely it'd be a sold-out event. But wouldn't you still want to be out the front saying, yeah, I was at the premiere? I mean... Would you? <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 okay. I mean, I guess you get to see all the famous people walk in. I guess that's something. Yeah, the old red carpet. Sure. Anyway, after the premiere in Wellington, the city held a party that went on until dawn. Maybe that's why the 100,000 people were there. Yeah. <laughs> the premiere was just an afterthought. Yeah. It was funded by the city council to the tune of about $400,000, had street performers, outdoor, oh, outdoor screenings. There you go an introduction from the Prime Minister, and a giant mock-up of a Nazgul flying over the Embassy Theatre. They went all out for this. Yeah, I wish our government would throw us a $400,000 party. Well, when when the Australians make a film trilogy as big as Lord of the Rings, maybe they will. I don't remember the old Crocodile Dundee premiere being that big. Was there a Crocodile Dundee 3? Yeah, but that they, he went over to America or something, didn't he, at that point? Wasn't that number two? I don't know. <laughs> Well, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying if they've only done two, the reason that we haven't been thrown this party is because we haven't made a kick-ass trilogy. Maybe someone just needs to make the the final instalment and we'd have ourselves a party, Hendo. Maybe they've made it. It's just in post-production for many decades. They're just waiting for Weta to get those visual effects just perfect. (laughs) That de-aging technology. (laughs) (laughs) So this had a runtime of 201 minutes, but 263 minutes for the big Blu-ray extended edition, which is what we are breaking down today. Now, taglines. The, the, the one, I guess the, the best one I could find was, this Christmas, the journey ends. That's the best one. Yeah, honestly. I mean, do you want me to read out the other three I saw? Yes. I think I'll do that from now on. If there's multiple taglines, I'll read them all and you can rank them. If it makes you happy, Hendo. More contribution from you will make me happy. All right, there are two other taglines I've got here. The eye of the enemy is moving. I feel like that's not fitting for a finale. Yeah, exactly. I feel like you could have that in the two towers. Well, what about this one? You go on about taglines being too long. How about there can be no triumph without loss, no victory without suffering, no freedom without sacrifice? See, again, yes, it's too long. What would be wrong with there can be no triumph without loss? Yeah, that, that's better. Just that single line would be, would be yeah. better in terms of you know a quick tagline and sort of looking towards the finale. Exactly. And even like you said, your favourite was this Christmas, the journey ends. I mean, I think the journey ends is sufficient enough. It's frustrating that it has this Christmas. It's very frustrating. Like I'm, like I'm looking at the tagline now. I'm like, wait, do I have to wait six more months for this? 
Six more weeks of winter. But as with the other two films, this has a budget of about $94 million. Worldwide, I think we mentioned it last time as well, $1.1 billion. Not bad. Not bad at all. No, not bad at all. Something that is probably better than this was 11 nominations, 11 wins at the Academy Awards that year. Better than the $1.1 billion. Maybe, to some people. I mean, it would be now, but back then there wouldn't be many billion-dollar films, would there? This was the, I believe this was the second billion-dollar film. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, behind Titanic. Yes. And the Oscar goes to... It's a clean sweep. The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, Barry M. Osborne, Peter Jackson, and Fran Walls producers. But the 11 wins, best visual effects, best sound mixing, best original song, best original score, best makeup, best costume design, best art direction in the set decoration category, best film editing, best adapted screenplay, best director, and best picture. What is the song that was best original song? Into is it the Billy West? Boyd's? Oh. Is that the Enya one? Yeah, it must be. It must be the last, the final credit song. Yeah. Uh, this movie is tied with Ben-Hur and Titanic to win the most Oscars in a single year. It actually has the highest perfect score at the Academy Awards with the 11 out of 11 wins. That means that Lord of the, the Lord of the Rings film franchise has won every category it was nominated for except for the best actor in a supporting role. Buddy Ian McKellen. Very disappointing. Letting the team down. I did mention this did a clean sweep of the Oscars that year. The previous record was 9 out of 9 by both The Last Emperor and Gigi. Haven't seen either. Last Emperor I've seen and... It's not good. This also makes The Lord of the Rings the highest nominated film franchise in the Academy Awards history with 30 nominations overall, surpassing The Godfather Trilogy with 28 and the Star Wars film franchise with 21. That's some good trivia there, Hendo. Thank you. Do you have any? <laughs> did, you just use, did you just use all your trivia knowledge in the first film? Just ready to take over all, all the stuff I had? This is true. I'm all triviaed <laughs> out. <laughs> But let's take a look at the history of Return of the King in the IMDb Top 250 list. This debuted into the list early 2004 at number four. And then by the end of 2004, it had peaked to number two. That's where it peaked, number two at the end of 2004. The lowest it ever dropped to was about 2008, where it dropped down to number 14. And then over the last 12 years, it has gradually just moved up bit by bit a you know, little number here and there to where it currently sits at number seven with an 8.9 over 1.6 million ratings. Very, very impressive. And you can't argue with those with those numbers and where it really does sit on the list. Exactly. This is the fourth film in the top 10 that we've done now. So I don't know when we'll get to another one after that. I reckon we've, we've cleaned out a couple already. Who knows? Wow, well, depends on four what you out pick. of the 10. It's yeah. my pick next, isn't it? It is. Funny enough, the four we've done is seven, eight, nine, and ten. Huh. What was number ten? Was it ten when we did it or not? Yeah, Fellowship. Wasn't Fight Club ten? Nah, Fellowship took over Fight Club a couple months ago. Uh, okay. Yeah, but... Oh, okay. Yep. But enough of the trivia, Dean. Let's get into our breakdown of Return of the King. First scene here. Schmeagle and Deagle having a fish. I must say, firstly, Andy Circus is absolutely amazing as Gollum. But man, his voice sounds so weird when paired with a normal looking person. <laughs> That's true. He looks weird as hell as a normal person in this scene anyway. But yeah, accompanying that voice when you can, you already know that voice from Gollum. Yeah. it's I, I honestly, I really love this scene. You need a little bit of that backstory with Gollum to, uh, well, he's a big character. He's a, especially a massive character in this film. You, you need to get some sort of setting for him. Yeah. He plays a massive role here in, you know, the whole, the whole mission 
everything they're doing. Like, if if not for him, thing, things go horribly wrong. So, it is good seeing more of him. It's good seeing him as a hobbit. And this, this scene was originally supposed to be in the Two Towers after Frodo revealed Gollum's real name. Okay. Well, I mean, it probably would have helped the Two Towers, but I'm glad it does open the Return of the King here. Because, again, yeah. it's a nice... It's just a nice little intro into the movie as well. Like, we're hunkering down for this epic film here. It's good to just ease into it. Now, you've gone fishing before. Do you ever hold this the fishing true. line so for so long that the fish would literally pull you into the water? Wouldn't you let go of that fishing line before that happened? Every time. That's actually how you fish, Endo. <laughs> you haven't caught it properly unless you've fallen. You can tell it's been a good day if you're completely soaking wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in fairness, he, he literally has a string on the end of a stick. So, you know, you maybe can't compare him to how we fish today. But wouldn't it be easy to let go of that? But then you lose your rod. It's not, it's not like a rod, got- it's a stick with a string on it. It's not like rods grow on trees, Hendo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good one. Uh, yeah, but Deagle finds the ring under the water. Yeah, they have a little fight over it, and it gets uh, intense pretty quickly, doesn't it? A little fight? A little fight. Little Remind me cuffs. not to get into a little fight with you then, Hendo. <laughs> <laughs> or a big one for that matter. It's brutal. <laughs> That's the power of the ring, man. It is, but I did, honestly, I did like seeing Schmeagle as a- You're saying Schmeagle now as well, are you? You've, you've I was on. doing it. To, I was doing it only to mock you, Hendo. Oh, only sure. Only to mock you. No, I did like seeing Schmeagle as, you know, pre-ring hobbit, where he is an innocent being. He's this innocent creature. He has no ill will. He's having a nice fish. It's peaceful. And then as soon as a ring comes into contact with him- you know, it turns him into a murderer. Murderer. <laughs> but man, this this transition from Smeagol to Gollum, it's it's kind of horrifying. It's so good. That bite into the fish. Oh, man. gross. It's like, oh, my God. How good is the the shot where he blinks and his eyes go from normal human eyes to the, like, cat-looking things he's rocking? Yeah, that was really good. Tell you, the, the start of this film has been fantastic already. <laughs> It has. And I love, I love the next cut, the next transition is to Frodo treating the ring the exact same way. He's laying there at night, he's stroking it alone. It's just, he is in his element here. Yeah, I love the parallels you get of Gollum and Frodo in this film as well. Like you said, perfect also, transition from that. And it also makes Gollum a much more sympathetic character because you really, it does hammer home that it's not his fault. The ring has taken over him. No, you're completely right. Then why'd you say no? You should say yes, Dean. You are right. I will never say yes as me- if I don't have to. It's like, no, you're right. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't expect me to say that. When you said no, I was like, what? I was like, here we go. He's <laughs> <laughs> <Things are> ready. <laughs> I love how Sam is still so optimistic that they're going to make it back home after all this. But he's right. He's, I love it. He's, he's rationing for food to get home. Yeah, you That's need that crazy. kind of optimism. You don't need to be on the trek going, well, what's the point? We're not going to make it home. We're going to be dead by the time this is done. I mean, he is full of optimism. I love how the music changes almost from shot to shot of seeing Sam versus seeing Frodo from the optimism yes. to the doom of Mordor. <laughs> but we've got to check out some more hobbits here. Bloody Merry and Pippin. Hopefully they do something a little more... 
related to the plot, maybe, in this film as opposed to Two Towers? Well, they're certainly starting out on a high note. No, Am I I'm right, Hendo? This, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving right? you the satisfaction. Not giving you the satisfaction. A high note? <laughs> no, stop it. <laughs> but they get they get all the crew together really quickly, don't they, at, at the start of this film? They're just yeah, you up. got Yeah, you got everyone there. Aragon, Legolas, Gimli, Gandalf, Thaden, King, Saruman, Grimer. <laughs> they're all there. They're <laughs> all, all there. <laughs> So I think we said this in the Two Towers episode. I said this. We discussed this in the Two Towers episode. This scene wasn't supposed to be in the film, was it? It isn't in the film. It's only in the in the extended. Is that right? That's correct. Saruman is not in this uh, theatrical cut, which I think is a mistake because I think this scene's great. I don't understand why they wouldn't have this in there. It was I still don't get they had it as Saruman is just defeated in Two Towers. He's not dead. You don't see his demise. He's just, he's done. Yeah, he's defeated. End of weird. story. I mean, honestly, it didn't feel weird the first time I saw it. It would feel weird now watching the theatrical cut being like, hey, what about Saruman? Yeah. I want to hear about Saruman. <laughs> Saruman the Brave. <laughs> How's it when they're talking to each other from the top of the tower and down yeah, the that bottom? Bit was How good. the hell can they hear each other? Magic, Hendo. Magic. I, I could buy the magic of two wizards, but like Aragorn and Legolas are speaking as well. Yeah, I mean, some things you just got to, you know, stop nitpicking. Worm tongue hears this. Yeah, yeah, worm, worm tongue does. But, you know, he, he cottons on here. He does, the, he does the Vader Palpatine here and stabs him, gets ready to basically toss him off the edge here. Legolas, he's quick on the arrow, of course. I mean, I think I think you're skipping over some great dialogue here from Thaden oh, yeah, You're King. the dialogue person here. You go, you go for it. I mean, you've got Saruman, who we know is this, you know, almost evil wizard at this point, begging for peace, begging for mercy. Like, he's not coming out saying, I'll kill you all, damn you all. He's saying, let's let's talk counsel, let's talk peace. And Thaden, oh, he doesn't want a bar of it. When you hang from a gibbet for the sport of your own crows, we shall have peace. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, man, you're meant to be the good guy. <laughs> but Gandalf is the one who offers, you know, to spare his life here. And Saruman's just like, save your pity. I was like, hold on a second here. What do you think is going to happen if you're not going to be, you know, kept alive here? But again, we talk about pity and here's Gandalf showing pity. Very important, Hendo. Well, he's the good guy. Of course, he's not going to be like, nah, kill him. Off with his head. I quite like the fireball shooting, though. That was cool. Yeah, that wasn't bad. One thing I didn't realise is that Saruman, like, does Saruman break Gandalf's staff here? I don't think so. It's the other way around. Gandalf breaks Saruman's staff. Okay, okay. Maybe that happens later. There's a point where Gandalf's staff is is broken, and it's I believe it's only extended, and we never see it again, which freaked okay. me out. But yeah, Fair I think enough. you're right. I think, I think Saruman does get his staff broken here. But yeah, worm, worm tongue, just in the back. Boom. Yeah. Peter Jackson tried to tell Christopher Lee how to react and breathe after he was stabbed in the chest. But Lee was a World War II veteran and with the British Special Forces. So he assured Jackson he knew what it sounded like when a man was stabbed in the chest. That's dark, yo. It's definitely dark. All right. What do you make of these orbs? I mean, I feel they, they're, they're fine. I think they feel like they're like a B-grade ring. They are a plot contrivance, Hendo. Yes, you need that there for Pippin to get involved. Otherwise, what the hell is Pippin going to do? Not a lot. Almost as much as Merry does. Yeah, but you see, Merry has had his little bit of growth in the Two Towers when he stood up to the Ents. Now we need Pippin 
to have a little bit of growth here. His, his time in the sun, eh? Yes, that's right. But they go back to have a bit of drinking games, a bit of celebration. Can we skip this whole thing? This, this is the biggest stinks of extended only scene ever. <laughs> you don't like Legolas drinking Gimli under the table? It's, I mean, my Legolas finger, is not- it twitches a little. Legolas is it. not my favourite and uh, <laughs> scenes like this just remind me why. And, you know, I think comedy it's powerhouse me. Gimli as he's getting drunker and drunker. I mean, at least Gimli, he he is funny. Like, he has moments of comedy, whereas Legolas... Uh, moments of comedy. I feel like Gimli is just the general com- comedy. Like comic yeah. relief in this film. No, you're right. He, oh, trilogy. Yes. Can I ask in advance, do you have a and my axe joke coming up later on? Have you written one into your notes? No, I never do. Yeah, they just come to you. They're organic. <laughs> They're natural. They're a part of me now, Hendo. Well, I can't wait to hear your joke in this version. I mean, now you've, now put, you- the- yeah. now you've put me on the spot. <laughs> I'm going to have to think about it. And now when I say it, it won't be as, oh, yeah, that was funny. It'll just be like, oh, well, that was But at least everyone knows that you thought of it on the spot. I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone either A, already knows that, or B, much more likely, doesn't give a shit. <laughs> All right, let's let's ditch this uh, drinking party here. Move on. Yeah, let's go to Gollum talking to himself again. Now you mentioned at the end of Two Towers the her she, and she. at that point I wasn't too sure who that was, and you were trying to float out. Oh, maybe it's Arwen. Maybe it's Eowyn. Before Surely I started you didn't watching, believe any of that. <laughs> I didn't know. I seriously didn't know because I completely forgot about Return of the King. Before I even started watching the film, I thought, hey, it's a spider. I remember now. <laughs> 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 you know, like, oh, yeah, it could be. You know, he's talking about Arwen. Yeah, maybe Eowyn. There's you know, Gladriel. There's like, only three women in the movie. Like, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just like making you look silly as often as I can. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, oh, yeah, that could be right. Yeah, it has to be one of yeah, those. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see Gollum and Arwen teaming up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good pick up, Dean. <laughs> yeah, but this is one of the first of many in this film of Sam trying to convince Frodo that Gollum is the enemy. I mean, he he literally overhears Gollum talking to himself saying that he's going to kill them. Like, what is Sam meant to do here? Kill Gollum. Obviously, he's... Yeah, but, like, Gollum's their guide. Like, he's their way into Mordor. Yeah, he's got a... It's a a thin rope here. He's got to make sure he's there to help them, but be very, very cautious of what he's actually doing. It's just so hard for him because he's telling Frodo, like, this... You know, Gollum's messed up. He's going to kill us. And Frodo, like, thank God there is this, you know, excuse where you can say, well, he's going to, he's only acting like this because of the ring. Because some of this stuff is just, how the hell is he not believing ultimate nice guy and friend Sam over Gollum? Exactly. All Sam has done in the first two films is protect him and do everything in his power to save him from whatever the hell is going on. Every time. Yet it gets to this point now when, you know, looking a little bit further on down the track, he's going to basically send him home. And you know that, like you you said, it's got to do with the ring and the fact that he's getting closer and closer to Mordor, to Mount Doom. It's getting worse. And it's the power of persuasion of Gollum. It's the power of the ring. But now, let's move on over to one of those key women in the trilogy. We have Eowyn. She's talking to her love, Aragorn. One way love. Definitely one way love. Uh, We've all been there. It's a tough situation. But uh, Miranda Otto, she's... She's a really good actress in this film. I'm disappointed her career did not fire up after this. Yeah, I mean, 
Can you think of anything else she's been in without looking I mean, at your notes or your phone? I mean, I feel like there's something on the tip oh, of my just, tongue. Just stop it. For what she's been in. She was, I mean, after Lord of the Rings, she was, of course, in War of the Worlds as Marianne. How could we forget? Uh, I watched it like <laughs> two months ago and I already forgot. Oh, you did too. Do you actually not remember in it? Now, when you mention it, now that you mention she's in it, I do remember her, Tom Cruise's ex-wife, yeah? No, oh, I don't remember her. Jesus. Oh, no, she's that's definitely her then. Yeah, she is. She's not done. She's not done much. Like she's in a lot, but nothing I have heard of. You think of the like the young actors here. Do you reckon her? She is the one who didn't take off the most. Maybe David Wenham. What about Billy Boyd? Was he a young actor in this? Was he not already established? Billy Boyd. I don't think so. Yeah. What else did he do? I don't know. I don't know him at all. I only know him from this. That's what I'm saying. You say, you say Billy Boyd like it's a you know common name. It's his name. I know the actor's name. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's not in much. I'll give you the hot tip. Oh, he does the voice of one of the Chuckies. Ugh. It was in Master and Commander. All right, what are we doing? Come on. Yeah, Billy Boyd's filmography is atrocious. It is. I hope he got enough money from Lord of the Rings for his entire life. And if he didn't, he certainly made up for it by lending his voice for the video games. All right, but thankfully, we do move on to one of the greatest lines of the uh, entire trilogy. I feel like you're joking. The stars are veiled. Something stirs in the east. Classic Legolas. (laughs) He must read his script and just be like, seriously, Peter, can you give me something to do? (laughs) (laughs) It's like Legolas stares off into the distance. You can half picture Aragorn to be like, Bloody hell, Legolas, just tell me exactly what's going on. Like, just say it. (laughs) (laughs) Why must you always talk in riddles? What is going on? (laughs) But now we see Gandalf sleeping with his eyes open, which is super creepy. The only time I've seen that prior to this is major pain. I mean, it's been a while. I don't remember that. He's sleeping with his eyes open. I mean, what else do you want to say? Yeah. Of course. Did you forget that scene? <laughs> now that you now that you describe it like that. I, Twice. <laughs> I, it's it's come to me very clearly. Yeah, Pippin still being a little turd. What is he thinking here? Like he knows he shouldn't be doing this. What this is isn't he like a ring game? situation, is it? Like he's not possessed it, by this thing to grab it. I mean, I feel I mean uh, who knows? The dark. Because he has Lord had a quick look in into this earlier, ways, hasn't Hendo. he? He has had a quick look into this orb earlier, hasn't he? Well, he he saw it and he picked it up and Gandalf takes it immediately. But why didn't, when he picked it up earlier, it have the same effect on him as it does now? Maybe because he's holding it for longer now. Maybe because he's by himself. Maybe In a room full of people. Everyone's sleeping. He was out in the open in the daylight in the first time. He's inside at night time this time around. I don't know. Take your pick. Yeah. And even when he's having a freak out here and he's going crazy with it, and Aragorn swoops in and grabs it, and he has a freak out too. Gandalf still has an opportunity to, you know, have a go at him. Yeah, he starts off with. Yep. Not classic. Hey, bud, are you okay? Like he's literally unconscious. Stop yelling yeah. at him. <laughs> but now we get a bit of foreshadowing here, or a bit of you know, things that could be happening in the future. The burning white tree. He saw Minas Tirith burning, and yeah, we got to go get this sorted. We can't have this happen, can we, Dean? No, no, we can't. But Mary says that. What it means is that Sauron thinks that Pippin has the ring. Yeah, well, when he says, you know, he was asking who he was, and you don't actually hear him say to Gandalf that he said nothing. It cuts to the next scene, and you hear from Gandalf saying, you know, he's not a liar. He may be a fool, 
but he's certainly not a liar. So when he says that he didn't tell him who he was, he believes him. Yeah. But of course, Pippin has to go with Gandalf to Minas Tirith here, leaving Merry behind. And he, well, poor Pippin, he's quite upset that he can't stick around or let oh, Merry come with him. So is Merry. They're both very upset. Yeah. They have a very close relationship, these two hobbits. They're like the Bert and Ernie of Lord of the Rings. Wow. Oh, hi, Merry. Oh, hey, Pippin. <laughs> uh, do you have the same voice for Bert and Ernie? It's pretty similar. I wonder if it's the same guy who does both voices. I mean, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's Ernie on one hand and Bert on the other. What do you mean, hand? Oh, did I just wreck your childhood? <laughs> uh so Mary's up at the top of, a, I guess, a, a part of the castle here talking with Aragorn as Gandalf and Pippin are riding off into the sunset, I guess. The shot they show here, Gandalf and Pippin, they ride straight through this massive puddle with dry <laughs> land on either side. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it is a three-day ride as the Nazgul flies. So if they if they start, you know, diverting around, going left and right, then you know, it might <laughs> Each push time out they turn to, a little bit. <laughs> it might push out to a you know a three-day and an hour ride. You never know. <laughs> they don't have this kind of time to kill Hendo. <laughs> it's bloody lucky that Gandalf does go to Minas Tirith now. By the way, yeah, because isn't it like as soon as he gets there, oh, we can't go anymore. We're long in lockdown. <laughs> As soon as he gets there, he takes over Minas Tirith, basically, and is the the battle leader. Yeah, pretty much. Because as we said before, Denethol is a dick. Certainly is. I actually like this scene with Arwen and Alrond a fair bit, where she sort of races back from, you know, leaving Middle-earth and says, tell me what you've seen, you have the gift. And she says that, you know, you saw death, but you also saw a life. And she mm. challenges him on, you know, why didn't you tell me about my son? No, I like this scene too. I think most of the scenes with Arwen and Elrond are pretty good throughout the whole trilogy. Because unlike like so- the scenes they cut to with like Treebeard and that, this has relevance to the, you know, I guess Aragorn's story in the end. Especially when yeah. they go to forge the sword. Yeah, I was gonna say it does it does ultimately end with the forging of uh the sword. What's the sword called? Bugger if I know, mate. Is it Narsil? That sounds familiar. All right, we'll go with that. Yeah. Narsil. All right, but let's go to Minas Tirith. This looks incredible. Incredible. I love Minas Tirith. The CGI on this is a work of art. It is masterful. Yeah, that that's, that opening shot over the hill, the score, everything about this is off the charts. No, it's, it's all fantastic. And seeing this... Terrible man, this defeated, <sighs> sad, bitter man sitting there holding the horn as Gandalf and, and Pip walk in. It's it's just such a uh, a contrast to the city. Exactly. I, I found it funny how just before they go in when Gandalf is saying, don't mention Boromir and don't mention this. And you knew with the pause, you knew he was going to say, actually, just don't say anything. Such a telegraph line. Yeah, and a lot of good it did. Oh, and in case we forgot who Boromir was, we've got to have a quick little flashback to Boromir getting arrowed a hundred times. <laughs> See, even yeah. in Return of the King, we get a Sean Bean death. I mean, in fa- <laughs> in fairness, some of the people watching this may not have seen the first one for a good two years. So, and as you say, there are a lot there are a lot of names, and not every name is memorable. So, Boromir, I don't mind the quick reminder for the audience. But even though Denethor is you know, shrivel and weak. He still has an idea of what's going on here. You know, he calls out Gandalf. He's like, don't give me that bullshit. I know I know you've got Aragorn in your back pocket here. I know you want him on the chair. It's my chair. Oh, 
Authority is not given to you to deny the return of the king, steward. (laughs) It's great. I love that line. But Pip does, you know, give himself to Denethal and his service, stupidly. Mm -hmm. Well, classic Pippin. Yep. All you have to do is just shut your mouth. All right, we go back to Frodo and Sam here. I mean, is is there any point even talking about this? More talk about, you know, going home, what we're going to do when we go home. Okay. You get this shot of this, like, broken statue, like this king's head, and the sun shines on it, and it's like, oh, look, the king has got a crown again. Come on. Is that extended? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know it. It's like stuff like that. It's like, okay. You can just tell. The movie is literally called The Return of the King. We know what's going to happen here. We don't need more foreshadowing. But we get a bit of exposition here. Coming up with Gandalf and Pippin. Now, Gandalf's talking about what's coming up, all, all the big evil armies, and oh, you got the elephants. Is it the elephants, Dean? Hey, you got it right. That's right. Yeah. The elephants. Yeah, lots of them. Talking about, you know, if the oh man, what's the what's that? The last the last battle before Minas Tirith. If that falls, then we're basically screwed. The place isn't it the place where Faramir is at the moment? Osgiliath. That's the one. I do remember him saying that. Yes. Yes. But I love Pippin. He's so optimistic. He's like, well, even with the, the you know, the great white wizard as yourself, we, you know, we're, we're going to do fine. But no, we've got to have the return of the king sub-boss, the witch king of Agmar. Ooh. Hey, he is great. And this scene of him suiting up, I love it. We get more flashback of Fellowship of the Ring in case you didn't know who this guy was. So I guess we're now to assume that Aragorn didn't kill this guy. Did you think he killed him? Well, that show, that scene's telegraphed like he destroys all these ones. You know, throws all the the torches into the guy into one of them's face. He takes them on. I thought Have he took I them all out. I not told you that they cannot be killed by a man, Hendo. No, you haven't. <laughs> Lift your game. <laughs> but we get the drop into Minas Morgul, the dead city. That staircase looks ridiculous. That's not a staircase. It is a staircase. It's a rock climbing contraption. It's stairs. Certainly wouldn't want to go free solo on that one. I mean, they're basically at the front door of Mordor, it feels like. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, oh, no. here's this staircase right next to it. It's like having a, you know, big, huge front gate with no fence next to it, you know? <laughs> but I didn't expect to get a laser beam in the sky in this film. Yeah, the sky beam. Yeah. People weren't making fun of it when this happened, were they? Well, this was the first one, wasn't it? I mean, I doubt it was the first sky beam. I'm sure Independence Day did it before him. No, that was a sky beam into the ground. Oh, that's right. We just did specify it was a sky beam up, didn't we? Oh, wait. Yes. We didn't. Yes, we did. I said a sky beam into the... A laser beam into the sky. <laughs> you said no such You did not say laser beam, all right? Oh, I You're did. You're making this I up said, as you go along. My note, laser beam into the sky. I didn't realise how close they were to... Like, well, I guess at least Gandalf and Pippin. Yeah, they're like next door. Mm. So this this army comes marching out here and no one sees Frodo and Sam peeking over the rock right next to them. They're hobbits. That doesn't mean anything. You can still see a face looking over a rock. They're orcs. Uh, what, are they blind? Well, they're more focused on war. Okay. It's not like you'd expect, it's not like you'd expect someone there. Jesus. Didn't it's not like they're getting a lot of visitors, Hendo. <laughs> <laughs> They're not walking out the front door going, oh, is anyone around? Anyone here? Hey, what's up? No. Okay. Sam gets super serious here. Gives Gollum the old big warning. Pins him up against the wall. You listen to me. You listen good and proper. Anything happens to him, you'll have me to answer to. One sniff, something's not right. One hair stands up on the back of my head. It's over. 
worst slinker. The worst stinker. You're gone. Got it. Yeah. If anything happens to Frodo, I'll kill you. Yeah. He's tough, this gardener, I tell you. <laughs> but then we go back to Osgiliath here. Faramir gets we a do. sneak attack. Now, what what good is armor if an arrow is going to pierce right through it? Yeah, that's a why, great point. Why, why wear the armor? Do you why e- wear do it? you ever see the armor stopping swords Anything? or arrows? It's really just weighing you down. Yeah, it's just slowing you down. Just take it off. It's not like Legolas wears armor. Should get that. Uh, damn it, I've forgotten it from the first one. It's called Mithril. That's the one. Yeah, get some of that. That'll stop the arrows. You have the worst memory, Hendo. Oh, that's that's such an insult. Coming from you. <laughs> but we do get this little battle scene here. Did you did you like this at all? It's okay. It's very quick. It's very quick. Yeah, but the big battle's coming up, so let's just get a quick one in to show how easily defeated they are here. Get them out of there. Get them over to Minas Tirith. Gandalf has a big quest for Pippin here. Climb up this high, high rock and set this fire ablaze to signal everyone along the way here. Now, are you telling me... Yes, they are constantly looking non-stop forever to see if their beacon next to them is going to get lit. What a shithouse life. Do they run shifts? They, they have do these they, they tiny relief? little... They have these tiny little huts next to their pile of wood. <laughs> they must... They, yeah, they obviously run shifts. There'd be at least two, probably three there, and they just work and sleep and How do they work get food? And sleep. Do, people, do, do they drop food off? What's going on it's here? The, it's the eagles, Hendo. The eagles Could you imagine bring the excitement food. that the fire gets blazed? Can you imagine that excitement? One of them would just get like, they just like hug and celebrate and then forget, oh, we have to actually light our fire. Surely you'd be so bored you'd just light it anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, what do you reckon would happen if I just light? Maybe I'll just light this one log at the bottom and see what happens. Let's light it in the middle and see which one it gets to first. <laughs> <laughs> but I must say, like, even though that sounds ridiculous, the whole big shot of going over the mountains all looks amazing, incredible, great score, the usual good stuff. Yeah, it is. Uh, I like I like Aragorn like racing, racing towards uh, Theoden King. He says, "Good knuckles for eight. And then this king, he thinks, and Rohan will answer. Women and children first. <laughs> That's not what he says. <laughs> Pretty sure he does. Every movie. <laughs> we get Eowyn hiding her sword here, and Aragorn sees it, and we also get Merry pledging his allegiance to Théoden. So we've certainly got the similarities between Merry and Pip here pledging their allegiance to the, you know, prospective kings. Yeah, but Merry does it better. I mean, you couldn't do it any worse than Pip did it. <laughs> it's true. And in fairness, that's probably not his fault anyway. Denethol didn't make it easy for him. Did you like the new, new mini-boss we get? The mini-mini-boss? The weird orc-looking bloke with the weird the eye? The orc. Yeah. Surely, if you were going to have a leader of these ferocious orcs, you'd pick your biggest and strongest, like in the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. You wouldn't pick the rejected one, you know, the yeah. run to the litter. He, he doesn't look like he could be taken seriously at all. No, you just run away from him. What can he do? Like, Follow them. It's like, fuck off, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, it is another fantastic shot here of Gandalf rushing out with his wand to, to save the, the survivors who are running away. Seriously, if you call his staff a wand one more time, I'm leaving. <laughs> I can't help it. Why do we choose to do Harry Potter at the same time? <laughs> oh, we, 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 mentioned this, we mentioned this in one of the Harry Potters, but when we we're talking about where do we want to cut this off, and you said, yeah, probably the two-hour mark where Harry's just about to get to Mount Doom. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even mean to. Like, I, I, what, what was I doing? 
Yeah, we can all get mistakes, all right, mate? You say, I say Frodo, you say Harry, you say staff, I say wand. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, I was, <laughs> it's the same thing. I love the the relief on Gandalf and Pippin's face when Faramir mentions that he was just in contact with Frodo mere two days ago. They love yeah, it. Yeah, because have they had any word on Frodo or Sam since they left in the Fellowship? No, none whatsoever. Like, they would be suspecting that they'd be dead at this point. Like, it's more than likely they're dead than not. I was on favourite, yeah. So, so have odds on favorite. So having having confirmation they were alive two days ago is like amazing. It's an amazing sign. Yeah. But we get this scene where Faramir basically tells Denethol everything that he had the ring and he sent it away and he's defending himself to his dad and Denethol being Denethol is uh Piece of shit. quite unimpressed. Yeah. But it's that you know respect for Faramir. He wants to be. He wants to be make his dad proud of him. How weird is a bit where he looks up and he's so happy because he sees Boromir behind Faramir. Oh, that Faramir. okay. That shot was weird. <laughs> I think it just shows how you know loose Denethor's grip on reality is. He's just so yeah, unhinged. Point. This guy. I must say, for as much shit we hang on Denethor, I think the performance is amazing as well. Oh yeah, it's got nothing against the performance. It's the character, and obviously he's playing it well enough where we go, man, you are just a massive dick. With the exception of one key scene, did you notice how dry Denethor's lips were this entire film? No. Oh, they were like cracked and dry. Like, give the guy a drink. Give a chapstick. <laughs> so back to Frodo, Sam, Gollum. And just Gollum just being so super, super shady with this ring. And you know what he does? Buddy throws poor Sam under the bus. Well, he does well to, you know, put his little Gollum seeds into Frodo's mind here. Seeds of doubt. Seeds that, you know, Sam, he wants a ring. He's going to ask He for wants it. it. The fat one will take it from you. He calls him the fat one a lot in this one. Yeah, not cool, Gollum. Not cool. No. I mean, the Witch King actually gets a line here, which is pretty nice. He must have been wrapped. Who? Him? Yeah. Sure. He says, I will break him. Talking about Gandalf. Yeah, how does that go for him? Well, I'm pretty sure he does break his staff, or wand as you'd call it. You keep going on about Gandalf's staff being broken. Gandalf should have hit him with the old Expelliarmus, am I right, Hendo? Avada Kedavra. <laughs> <laughs> so we basically get Faramir's proper last scene here, at least a talking moment, where Denethor tells him he's got to go back. You've got to get it. You've got to take Osgiliath back from the orcs, which is just suicide. AKA, go die. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But he's loyal to his dad. He wants to impress him. He wants to, you know, be, be the good son in his dad's eyes. So he just does it. Even though he gives him a ton of shit. Yeah. He's so mean to him all the time. Like, mm. you can't tell someone, I wish you were dead and your brother was alive. That's not okay. Even Pippin's just standing there like, what? what? What have I got myself into? Even Faramir says to him, like, If I should return, think better of me, father. It's like, why does he still want this guy's approval? Pride. It's a pride thing. It's his father. Yeah, pride only hurts, Hendo. Anyway, back to Frodo and Sam. Who sleeps so close to the edge of a mountain like that? One simple roll. It's the end of the, it's the, end of the film. Do you roll a lot when you sleep, do you? I go from my back to my side. <laughs> I love that I can see you on my screen and you, your eyes literally darted up like you were thinking about that pretty pretty carefully. Like, do I roll when I'm do asleep? How yeah, you did. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you wouldn't be in that much of a deep sleep on the rocks of Mordor that you'd have to be that worried that you'd roll off. And are we on a time schedule here? Stop sleeping and start walking. I mean, are they on a time schedule? I'm so lost with the timeline here. How long have they been gone? 
And what do they know about like time urgencies? Like I know they've just seen an army leave, but they don't know that they're going to, you know, fight Gandalf and Aragon and the rest of their fellowship that are still alive. They could just be doing the rounds. But surely they just want to get this ring into the into the fires and then they can take their, their, their slow trek home. Just get this done. Get the first part of this as quick as possible and then take whatever, however long it's going to take, six years, whatever it is to get home. But they're very tired. Very, very tired, Endo. I don't care. Harden up. You're so hard on these hobbits. Not as hard as Gollum here, throwing, throwing away all the bread. The lemnus bread. And he's such a little bastard, isn't he? Putting all the crumbs over Sam. This is actually a really funny scene. When Sam wakes up and he's like, what are you doing? Sneaking up, are we? Sneaking? <laughs> Sneaking? <laughs> oh, yes. Very nice. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> and then Sam's like, all right, all right, all right. What were you doing? Sneaking. (laughs) Like, he really is a funny character. I like Gollum. But Frodo wakes up and believes that Sam has actually eaten the bread because of the crumbs. Well, Gollum doesn't eat the bread. He doesn't eat it. It makes perfect sense. (laughs) There's no other possible explanation. Yeah, and then he's, you know, basically banishing him and Sam is distraught. And you get the, go home. (laughs) We get some of the best lines from Sam in this bit. I could help carry it for a while. Carry it for a while. Share the load. <laughs> the See, load. I don't know if he said. I don't know if he said this or not. I thought it was like Frodo's Share mind. The load. I love it. <laughs> I thought that could have been just Frodo's mind, like him thinking he said that. But he actually said it. He's like, I don't want to take it. He's like, oh, oh god, he actually, he actually offered. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he says it, but it's only in Frodo's mind that he says it in slow motion. <laughs> yeah, just- <laughs> It cuts back to Sam. Sam's probably share like, the Sam's probably like, I could, I could hold it if you want. You know, share the load, mate. And it's like, share the load. Ah, <laughs> uh, Sean, Sean Aston's so good in this film. He is. He really is. He's up. I think he's up his game in every movie so far. He had a soft starting point, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> he'd bugger all in the fellowship. His key scene was drowning. <laughs> Actually, I have a little story about this scene here. Hold on. Let me get my pillow. Wow. You think a Lord of the Rings story is going to bore you? Oh, sorry. I thought this was is a story about you. Is that what this trilogy you. means right, to I'm you? I'm back. Sorry. I thought this was a Hendo story. Go. Continue. Oh, sure. So, while filming was progressing on Fellowship of the Ring in Queenstown, it was suddenly hit with a big, massive flood, and the exterior filming had to be suspended. So, the only available indoor facility that could be used for a studio set was this squash court that they had at the local hotel. So, the next day- Were the, the next scene- to blame? No. Shut up. Let me say my story. The next scene to be filmed was this moment that they had with, you know, Frodo siding with Gollum. So, and Elijah Wood and Sean Astin, they balked at the idea of having to do such a pivotal scene without preparation because Andy Serkis hadn't been cast at this point. So, they had to get someone from the crew to fill in for Gollum. So, filming went ahead as planned. Aston's scenes were all successfully completed, but the next day, however, the sun came out and the flood was absorbed. So, the exterior filming could go back to absorbed. normal. Absorbed? Yeah. The flood was absorbed. All the water was soaked back up. It dried out. So the intent was to always return to this squash court because they had built the production for this this section. They didn't need to you know, build it again to go do Elijah Wood scenes. But for the next five weeks, there was no rain to interrupt them. So they had to keep, you know, keep holding off on it till it got to the end point 
they moved on, they moved on from a new uh, to a new location after this was all done. Elijah would finally got to do his side of the scene about a year later in the same location because they never tore down that set. So that that court, that squash court, went a whole year without being able to be used because they had this production set up that whole time, it's just set there. Whoa! Thanks, Hendo. You're welcome. You learned something about this film, didn't you? In the old did. Queenstown squash court. Something about a squash court. <laughs> What do you think of this little like slow touching scene of all the riders essentially know they're going out to their death and all the the townsfolk sending them off? It's it's pretty sad. Uh, Gandalf, you know. Your father loves you, Faramir. Does he though? Does I don't he think really? he does. I don't either. He will remember it before the end. Will he though? I don't think he will. Maybe. I mean, there's a brief moment where he's like, "Oh, my son." <laughs> too little, too oh, late, wait. Dad. <laughs> Yeah, but they go out to battle the orcs, and it's basically paralleled with Denethol and Pippin in the in the the castle. And Denethol is just having a big munch on a uh, dinner here, or a, you know, a big feast. It is the most disgusting eating of a tomato you have ever seen. Yes, I like to say, like there is some weird symbolism here of when he's sending them out to their death. Like they get a close up of his face, and he's chewing on. It might be the tomato, it might be something else, but it looks like blood's like pouring out of his yeah. mouth. I think it, yeah. I think it's a grape, and it, it does look like blood coming out of his mouth. Yeah, but we get some Billy Boyd vocals here. Yeah, you got some trivia on that, Hendo? I do. Do you? I mean, I do, but you're you're doing so well with no, it. No, no, I've done a lot on. of trivia. Why don't, I, why don't I handball this trivia over to you since you've you've been free of trivia this entire time? All right. Yeah, I've forgotten. Oh, you've forgotten, have you? I mean, someone heard Billy Boyd sing at a karaoke party. So you, you know. didn't forget? I mean, uh, it just I, I wouldn't tell it as good as you, Hendo. Well, someone heard Billy Boyd sing at a karaoke party, and uh, that, that was that was it. That was it. Your your stories are renowned. <laughs> 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 now, this karaoke party did this take place in a squash court? Did you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the that was the end of that that trivia there. <laughs> But they've only rounded up about six thousand fighters. That's not enough. They, they can't. They can't do that. They need more. Yeah. It's Aragorn that sees the uh, the ghost, the or the dead in the the crack of the mountain ah, in the distance. The crack of the mountain. Yeah. Hold on. You missed. You missed a Legolas line though. Let's just let's not be silly. The horses are restless, and the men are quiet. That's it. <whistles> Nailed it, Orlando Bloom. Nailed it. <laughs> the crickets are loud. <laughs> The cricket's allowed tonight. Blood has been spilt. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got Eowyn here giving Mary some armour. Love how he swings the sword around, nearly cuts her in half. Yeah, if only she had armour on, she would have been immune. Yeah, maybe that armour that, that that other guy had with the the, the, the non-arrow-piercing armour. Yeah, and we get her talking to Carl Urban about... He's basically saying, nah, he can't fight. He's a waste of space. And she's saying, you know, why should he not fight for what he believes in? Obviously, just justifying her own feelings about her desire yes. to fight. But yeah, she's really talking still. about her. Yeah. Now we get some more dreams of Arwen, Aragorn having having a rest. Yeah, and Arwen's uh, fate is apparently tied to the fate of the ring now. When did that happen? Go figure, eh? <laughs> it's the first time I've heard of it. I mean, I was watching pretty intently and I still did not understand why her fate was now tied to that of the ring. <laughs> but coincidentally... Buddy, Elrond shows up. I swear, I thought this was—I thought this was going to be Arwen. Did ya? Yeah. Nah, it's got to be Elrond to present the biggest sword ever seen on screen. Oh, this—this this sword is huge. That—that that camera shot that pans up right to the tip. 
I was like, Whoa. I'm surprised he didn't cut a, a cut a hole in the roof of the tent. That's, that's some tip. <laughs> but something that Aowen should have known for a while here, that Aragorn is just not that into her. Friend zoned. I mean, should she have known that? Yeah, didn't that happen in the Two Towers when he's got the Arwen's necklace? She's like, ooh, does he, you can see. Does he actually tell her about Arwen, though? But can't she read between the lines? I mean, maybe she's dead. Could be from a, a dead ex-lover. She could no, hope. I, I think she's really pulling at straws here. He's shown not a ton of affection back to her in that way. Mm, I know what she'd rather be pulling at. What? Just a tip, Hendo. <laughs> it's a big tip. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> no, but he he's heading out. He's going to go get this army. Yeah, he's gone. And everyone's pissed, as you would be. He's, you know, easily their best fighter. And he's just Couldn't he just turn around and go, I'm going to get more men? But he doesn't know what he's doing. He's going to investigate this shadowy mountain. I'm going to invest the shadowy mountain. I'll be back at some time. Say something. Maybe. Of course, you need Legolas and Gimli to do something. So they they follow along. Yeah, what else are they going to do? Hang out with yeah. Theoden? Come on. They, they've literally done nothing this scene. They just pop in like, yeah, we're coming. It's like, oh, okay. Like, all right. <laughs> Gimli to crack some jokes and Legolas to say vague things about the darkness and the shadows. Mm. The dead rise. All right, shut up. Now, <laughs> 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 sneaky Aowen and Mary here doing a bit of uh, hopping on the ro- hopping on the horse. Because doesn't they- Theoden tell Aowen, you're going to stay here and basically take control while I'm gone? She's like, yeah, sure, bloke. Yeah, he tells her that she's next in line for the throne, and she's just like, All right, what other duty do you want me to do? And he's like, hold on a second. This is a good thing. Like, I'm being really nice to you. Don't be so ungrateful. It's like, cool story, bro. Yeah, it's almost like she just heard one of your stories. That was not a story from me. I was trying to give you good trivia about this movie. I'm sure you're going to go, for this second half, you're going to go watch some behind the scenes, and there's, that story's going to come. You're like, oh, fast forward. <laughs> I need to hear this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they got pictures of the squash court and all the, the squash people riding. Top 10 things you didn't know about Return of the King. <laughs> Number 10, <laughs> the squash court. Oh, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I do like the added touch of all the, the skulls on the ground as they walk along and Gimli's reaction to stepping on all of them. Yeah, that's extended. Is it? That's probably one of the better extended scenes I've seen so far. No, it's not. It's just a Gimli I, I couldn't tell this was extended. Show. I mean, I guess that's something, but no, I prefer... it's it Actually, it's edited much tighter in the theatrical, this, this whole sequence. I, I think it is better in the theatrical. Yeah, fair enough. I thought this... This scene was pretty cool, though. All the, the dead coming out of nowhere and Aragorn with his big, bloody, badass sword. Fuck, Aragorn yeah, love, such a badass. I know. I love that his sword can actually hit the ghost swords. Yeah. And even at that point, he grabs the ghost by the throat. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he's, just, he's not scared at all. He just challenges them. Like, you know, join me. Actually, according to a magazine article, Peter Jackson hated the Army of the Dead. He thought it was too unbelievable. He kept in the script because he did not wish to disappoint diehard fans of the book. Says the guy who directed The Frighteners. Yeah. I thought he would have loved that. <laughs> How good's Aragon's line? What say you? That's, that's his best line. It's, it's straight that's to the good. point. It actually means something. What say you? <laughs> the dead need to give an answer. The dead are quiet. They are still thinking. <laughs> They do not wish to help us, I think. <laughs> oh, but they, they managed to escape. Yeah, and we, we talk about how good CGI looks here. I think this escape through the rolling 
you know, piling skulls is easily the worst. Yeah, that, that's not the best. They, they are the shot like really far out as you see them all coming down at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't wasn't the greatest. Like all that's extended. Oh yeah, okay, makes sense. They do manage to get out though, and they see the horror of you know they're losing. They're losing this battle. Aragorn is you know he sheds a tear. He's sad, but of course the ghosts come out. We fight. Nice. All right. It worked. So much so that that's going to be the end of our breakdown. Part one. I think it's a good time as any to stop it there just before the big battle of Minas Tirith starts. Yeah. Neither of us has said our excellent yet, so I'm sure that's coming up soon. Maybe this time it will be part of the battle, unlike Two Towers. Well, we do have the Legolas riding the Oliphant coming up, so can I well, shotgun that given as it away. an excellent? <laughs> I think I might, it'll be like, a, 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 excellent, like multiples. Nice. I love multiples. Yeah, so that's part one of Return of the King done. So next week will be part two. So we look forward to that. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. Hey listeners, we just want to take a quick second here to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show and get our name out there. And there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. Let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and of course, Podbean. We're very thankful to Podbean for taking on our podcast. Yeah, definitely. It's a great hosting site with a great app to go with it. Yeah, what I like about Podbean's app is you can actually comment on the episode you're listening to and it goes straight to us and we can reply back immediately. We've also opened up a new little merch store over on Public. We've got uh, a couple of t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and all that good stuff for sale. So if you're at all interested in getting a little bit of Movie Journey sweet, sweet merch, head on over there and see if anything tickles your fancy. Amazing! And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so over on Twitter. Hendo controls our main handle at the Movie Journey and I am at Dean's 250 journey you can also check out our facebook page at facebook.com slash the movie journey our letterbox pages where we keep our film diaries up to date i'm at letterbox.com slash dino underscore j88 really rolls off the tongue and you can find hendo at letterbox.com slash hendo and we also have a new facebook discussion group yeah a little listener community going on over there yeah head on over join up we'd love for you to be a part of the discussion exactly another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on itunes for us and like we've said if you screenshot your review and dm us we'll send you out some new sweet sweet merch or if you're really loving the show and want more why not check out our patreon where we post another weekly show breaking down films not on the imdb top 250 list yeah we've got over 70 episodes over there including such classic film series like the diehard series x-men series mission impossible series as well as some notable film directors such as wes anderson edgar wright and even Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, that's right. There's also tons of benefits over there. Early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put out on the regular. Yeah, exactly. You can even shape the show the way you want to by telling us what films you would like us to break down. So what's coming up this week, mate? Well, Dean, we're deep in the Harry Potter series, and it's time for Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? 
someone at least did, and we're going to break that film down. Find out who actually did put the name of the Goblet of Fire. Maybe it was Harry. Well, for Ron's sake, I hope it wasn't. Yeah, exactly, mate. We've got to give a, a big shout out to our brand new patron, and that is Mark Snedden. Thank you very much, buddy. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, it seems you've joined up at the perfect time because this month we're doing a big old competition over on our Patreon. Now, for this month, basically, if you are a patron of ours, you get to go into a raffle. We're going to give out a good old Movie Journey t-shirt for one of our patrons. Now, you get more tickets at the higher tier levels, down you know, down to one ticket down at the lower level. But if you have become a patron or you are a patron of our Patreon this month, at the end of the month... We'll do a nice big raffle, and we'll see who gets to win a nice Movie Journey t-shirt. Absolutely. That sounds like fun, doesn't it, Dean? So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash themoviejourney and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. All right, mate, it's time for... That's my question! The question, jerk! Where we asked you, what is your favourite movie trilogy? Now let's take a look at some responses over on Twitter. First one here from awesome patron Dave at the Super Movie Bros. I can't believe I have to spell this out for you too. The OG Star Wars. Next up from Tyler Howitt. The Lord of the Rings. No question. Ali Axoy says Robert Rodriguez's El Mariachi trilogy with Desperado and Once Upon a Time in Mexico is a standout in creative ingenuity and coolness. Jason says, basic answer, but my absolute favourite is Nolan's The Dark Knight trilogy. Very much what got me into movies. Oh, that's a big call. Mm, that is a big call. Malin181 says, Unbreakable Split and Glass is my personal favourite. What would you Speaking call that? Of- the the Shyamalan trilogy? The I don't know. What, what trilogy would you call that? The Bruce Willis trilogy? No. His name should not no be idea. anywhere near a trilogy. I have, I have no idea. Dan is not the problem, says Indiana Jones. Uh, obviously the first three. Hmm. I would not classify that as a trilogy. To each their own, Hendo. Next one here from Chells. Before series, simply the best. Colour Positive Movies says the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy. Nice. That is a, that is a good set of movies. Tracy B says the Revenge trilogy. The, the three films directed by Park Chan-wook. You've got Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy, and Lady Vengeance. I had no idea that Old Boy was part of a trilogy. I think it's a, a loose trilogy. Damien Tran says the Captain America trilogy. Nice, okay. Newman goes for the Star Wars prequels. Nice. Krazo says the Godfather. Steve Innes says Kieslowski's The Three Colors trilogy. Haven't seen any of the three color films, have you? No, I have not. January Movie says the first three Bourne movies. Hmm. I think people are just picking and choosing the three films they want. Trey has gone with the John Wick trilogy. Last one here from Scott Dance. Can't go wrong with Back to the Future. Now, very good. Thank you, everyone, for putting your response in on Twitter. But, Dean, let's get to our top five movie trilogies before we find out who wins our competition this week. And, as usual, we kick it off with you. What is your number five? My number five is the MCU's Captain Marvel. <laughs> Captain Marvel. Captain America trilogy. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I'll say that was my number six. Okay. My number five is the OG Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, nice. Can I just say, I had a tough time coming up with this list. See, what I did was I went through every trilogy that I'd seen, all three, put all my ratings on it, and the five with the highest ratings total out of 15 got my top five. Yeah, I knew you would do that. Um, I mean, is that not is that not a, a way to do it? Which, which I mean, trilogy has the highest rating? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, but... I don't know, like some 
Here's your one. This one has the highest rating of all three. But you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to pick this one instead. No, I don't. I don't think I did that. But I didn't go through and um, think of my rankings for them all to work it out. But there were some some very close honourable mentions here. But my number four is also the Star Wars trilogy, the uh, the originals. The original, yeah. Well, my number four is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Terrible placement there. Uh, my number three is Back to the Future. Horrible placement there. My number three is the Planet of the Apes trilogy, the new one. My number two, the Lord of the Rings. Okay, yeah, fair enough. My number two is the Back to the Future trilogy. And not and... shocking at all. <laughs> Obviously, our number one, it's got to be the Dark Knight trilogy. Absolutely. No question about it there. I really tossed up putting Planet of the Apes on my list. And it killed me. It killed me not to have the Godfather there. But I can't justify how terrible part three is in my eyes. Yeah, part three really dropped it down for me, so it yeah, didn't include it on the on the list of trilogy films there. But overall, put our list together, and we have at number five, the Planet of the Apes trilogy. Next up is the OG Star Wars. Third is Lord of the Rings. Two is the Back to the Future trilogy. And of course, number one is the Dark Knight trilogy. Now, looking over on our Facebook listener community group, if you haven't joined up to our Facebook listener community group, get over there and, and join up. We have a good Good old time over there discussing different movies. Obviously, you get to enter our top five competitions. It's free. There's no, you know, we don't block anyone. Just jump in and have a good conversation. So in looking at who got close to winning our competition here, we have three people who came really close to winning this one here. First one, Rob Manafield, good patron, Rob Manafield. He had his five to one, the Spider-Man trilogy, Lord of the Rings, Back to the Future, OG Star Wars, and The Dark Knight. So four out of five, but one right on the money. Next up here was our good mate Brodders, Chris Broderick, and he had from five to one, the Dollars Trilogy, one we didn't mention there. Then he went Dark Knight, OG Star Wars, Back to the Future, and Lord of the Rings. So again, four right with one spot on. And our closest to winning here was LJ Human. Now, LJ, we wanted to recount a couple of weeks ago on, uh, I can't remember which one it was exactly, but unfortunately for you here, you had from five to one, Back to the Future, Planet of the Apes, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, and Dark Knight. So... Uh, you know, we're, we're pretty uh, we're pretty blasé on disqualifying people, so I'm just going to go ahead and disqualify for that one because that's not a trilogy. <laughs> but our winner overall on our Facebook listener community is Harrison Johnston, and he has, from five to one, the Captain America trilogy, OG Star Wars, Back to the Future, Dark Knight, and Planet of the Apes. So four out of five with his fifth one being our honorable mention. So well done, buddy. You win this week. We'll get in contact with you and we'll send you out some... Sweet, sweet merch. Perfect as usual, Dean. Thank you for your contribution. Now for next week's question of the week, Dean, what are we going with? It's the last one of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, we thought it would be fitting to go with, give us your best, best picture winning film. (laughs) Yes, your best, best picture. So obviously we'll do another top five there of our best picture winners. So get onto our Facebook list of community or join up to our Patreon. Get involved. Win some merch. Exactly. There's this tournament. Let the tournament begin! All right, Dean, it's time to find out the results of the grand final in our best 2010s film tournament. We have the number one seed, Inception, against the number two seed, Parasite. And like we said at the start of the episode, it was dead heat 50-50 when we started talking about this film. Now, at the end of it, 364 votes later with a 50.5% victory. It's Inception. That is so close. Yeah, that's insane. 
I think honestly, I think that's that's probably the closest match we've had in any any of our polls from the 1940s all the way up to now. Yeah, that's that's so good. I mean, didn't we have a couple of ties that we decided on the the, the they don't ranking? Count. <laughs> okay, so except for the ones that are closer, this is our closest. Those are the ones where we had like eight votes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it is a great result. I'm glad Inception got through. Uh, I think it does uh, a great job of representing the decade rather than... I mean, it's hard with Parasite because it is so recent to actually look back at it and see how it how it stacks up in the, uh, the fold of things. Yeah, that's right. So, Inception moves into our final eight of our winners of each decade we've got. Now, how we're doing this is... This is, this is the ultimate battle here. We are doing this round-robin style, so every movie will battle every movie in this League of Eight here. We'll do it over seven different weeks of polls, and we're going to make this... Let's do a bit of fun with this one, Dean. We're going to do basically a tipping competition, a big fixture, like a sports battle here. So we've got seven rounds here, and our Facebook listener community and our patrons will all get in. We've got, we're going to give them two weeks here to basically send in their ballots of every every tip of who they think is going to win each match here. And at the end of it, whoever has the most correct out of all seven weeks, second and third place will send out some, some sort of merch. We'll see what it is. And the winner will get another big piece of merch, maybe a mug, maybe something else. Who knows? We'll, we'll have, a, have a discussion about it and see what we're going to do there. But again, if you're not part of the Facebook listener community or our Patreon, join up. Perfect time now. You've got a lot of good stuff coming up. I will also throw in that anyone in this tipping competition, if you beat, because bo- we'll tip as well. We'll do a full tip for this uh, for this tournament. Anyone who beats both of us at the end of this, regardless of first, second, third, or onwards, you beat both of us in this, we'll send you out a little bit of merch too. So heaps of ways to win some stuff here. Get involved. Now, just before we get to the end here, Dean, I have been throwing out some polls uh, once a day at the moment. Going back and finding out, just are the films that we're doing on the top 250 list here, are they one of the best 250 films of all time? I've started off way back in the day with our original breakdown, Die Hard. I threw out a poll, is Die Hard one of the 250 best films of all time? And I got about 150 votes, 70% said yes, it is one of the top 250 films of all time. What do you say to that? Not surprising at all. All right, but the next one we did was Django Unchained. And after about 250 votes there, 57% said no. It is not one of the best 250 films of all time. Yeah, I mean, I, pr- I mean, it would probably be in my top 250, but I, I'm not surprised that it, it, the consensus is no. It's such a hard question, though. Like, is it in the top 250 films of all time? 250 is a lot. Well, we've got a massive 250 list of films to go through, so you st- you're still thinking that's a lot? Yeah, but there's a lot of shit in there. There's a lot of movies that are like, ugh, not for me. What about this one? The last one I've done here so far, The Prestige. Is that one of the 250 best films of all time? 200 votes later, 57% say no, it is not. Ooh, I didn't see that one. Interesting. Well, we throw on one poll out a day of all the movies we've done so far leading up to our catch-up here. I will throw out all three Lord of the Rings in time for next week's episode, so you look forward to that. I'm wondering how the two towels will go on that poll. Yeah, we'll find out next week. So, what's next? Part two of Return of the King, the finale of Lord of the Rings, will be done after that. We can rest easy knowing we've accomplished a, a massive trilogy, a big a big chunk out of the top 250 list. Yeah, exactly. All right, listeners, thank you very much for checking out this episode. Thank you very much, Dean, for having a good convo with me. Thank you, Hendo. You're most welcome. Reciprocate? You're okay. You're okay. Oh, that's better than usual from you. It's better than usual from you, Hendo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much, everyone. We'll see you next week for part two of Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Bye.